Welcome to Fearless Mom. Today is part two of our Healthy Home Culture series um, where we've been looking at what a healthy home looks like and how to get there. And today we have special guest Mac Richard with us. Yes, we are super glad that I'm you're here today. To be here. This is cool. Super glad, and we always give the disclaimer that we don't teach about marriage because we have a perfect marriage. We teach about it because we believe that God has a grand plan, a grand design, and that if we will live the way he calls us to live, then our life yeah. will work better. But um, our marriage is awesome. I was going to say, it's not perfect, but we are having fun. We are having fun. We are having fun. But we want to start by welcoming in our online moms. If you are watching with a group, if you are listening in your car with your kids, or maybe you're hiding in the closet with your iPad, <laughs> we want to say that we are glad that technology has connected us, and our prayer for you is that you feel a group of moms in Austin cheering you on. You may be watching or listening by yourself, but you are not alone. We believe in you, and we are walking arm in arm with you. You can do this. Okay, so let's get started with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you for the gift of Scripture that encourages us, directs us, and guides us. We thank you for the gift of technology that allows us to reach out um, beyond just Austin. God, we ask right now that you settle our hearts, settle our minds, and open our eyes and ears so that we can see and hear what you want us to see and hear today, so that we can learn how to be the best moms we can be, so that we can raise these kids up to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 You know, it is so exciting to me because I, I get to see, by extension, what happens here at Fearless Mom, online at Fearless Mom, and so to get to be a part of this is actually a blast, and part of the reason is I talk to your husbands, and I, and I hear the difference that your presence in this place or your presence and participation in this community is making, not only in your lives and in the lives of your kids, but in the lives of your husbands the lives of your homes, and I'm going to tell you, you're making a difference beyond the walls of your home, whether you're a single mom or you're a stay-at-home mom or where, whatever your category may be, you're making a massive, massive difference. And so for me to get to be a part of this is, is absolutely a blast. I didn't have a choice. I had to come this morning, but I wanted to. <laughs> so it's really exciting to get to be a part of it. And I thought about, you know, when Julie and I were thinking about this message and, and Really, the, the centrality of culture in a home and, and the atmosphere that we walk around in, we wake up in, we live in, we go to bed in, all those kind of things, I couldn't help but think about just how critical it is that we're deliberate about culture and, and that we're intentional about it. We're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's it's reminds me uh, of a conversation that Julie and I had. We were driving on a vacation, just the two of us. We were road tripping a few years ago, and we were on a phone call with some really good friends of ours who have adult kids, kind of like ours. Their kids are a little bit ahead of ours, and they have an adult daughter who had been dating a guy for several years, and they were, man, they were on the way to the altar. It was a done deal, and all of a sudden, he broke up with her out of nowhere, 
And as you can imagine, she was, she was brokenhearted. She was devastated. And her parents were trying to help parent her through that, even though she was an adult and all those kind of things. And they were talking about, you know, we just feel like maybe he has commitment issues. And, and he was afraid of, you know, really and truly the I do or whatever. And I will never forget, as we were driving down Interstate 10, Julie said this. She said, commitment issues? My goodness, don't some people just understand Sometimes you just have to make a commitment, and then you just make the best of it. <laughs> okay. And I was driving. To my defense, I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay. I'm driving down the road. It and sounds I knew, so terrible. I knew exactly what she meant, and she's dead right. And I said out loud at the moment, I thought, I said, you know, honey, as your husband, that's not the best thing to hear, that you just make a commitment and make the best of it. After 26 years. But I knew what she was saying, and she was exactly right. But at the same time, it was a little disconcerting as the husband to whom she had made that commitment, as though she were just making the best of it. And, and I do. I love our marriage. And that's that. I why that. I felt so bad. That's why it's funny. It if is. I thought you didn't, it wouldn't be funny. It, I wouldn't be sharing it with it's you. It's funny now, but I, it can counselor. be taken out of context. I grew up in a home, though, <laughs> where, I mean, your word, your promise, your, you sign a contract. What, it's done. It, it's permanent. You know, and so you just, it is what it is. And so my dad, whether you're talking about a job or you're talking about marriage, his literal read on it is, well, you signed a contract, period. There's no out. And and so that is just a mentality that I grew up with. And by the way, I'm very grateful that's her mentality. That's that's a good thing is the recipient of it. And the truth is that mentality has served us both well, Um, even though, yes, we are enjoying marriage now. The the truth is that we got to a sticking point early on in our marriage. We were married for about seven years. And, um, you know, I looked at him and I said, I think you married the wrong person. I don't think I can be what you need me to be. And um, I know we're not going to divorce, so this is going to be an awesome next 50 years. And <laughs> I mean, I was like... But you know what? I want to say something, too. And it's funny now, but I want you to understand that was real. That really and truly happened. I, I can't remember. I think Emily was four and Joseph was two when it happened. Our church was about a year and a half old. And your spouse says you may have married the wrong person. That's a terrifying, terrifying moment. And and so it is funny now. <laughs> it wasn't that night. I mean, it was hardcore real. So when we talk about culture, we've been married 26 years. We have a great relationship with our more or less adult children. It didn't happen overnight, and it's not because we live in a Pollyanna pie-in-the-sky world where it's strawberry fields forever. We've been down some really, really dark roads. We've come out on the other side, but I'm just telling you, don't think that we you know, just got married and it was wonderful and it's wonderful now. It's, it's, it is wonderful now. But it it hasn't always been. It hasn't always been. But what we discovered was when you determine together 
to do the work, to, you know, I always say stubborn is not a bad thing. Just be stubborn about the right thing. And so what happened was I just was <laughs> stubborn. I mean, you know, some people Just say, in that one instance. I know. That was the only time I was ever stubborn. But we decided to just make it work. And so we knew we would just do the work. And what we discovered was the hard work was worth it. Yeah. And God blesses and God rewards when you just say, okay, I'm in it to win it, and we will stick it out. And yeah. so we have found blessing on the other side of that. So, so when we talk about culture, I think it's important. To, the culture is a word. It's a buzzword right now. We, we hear it all the time. What's the culture like in your business? What's the culture like in the market? What's the culture like at large? I want to give you a working definition of culture. I know that you, you started this conversation last week, but in case you're just coming in or you were frozen out last week or you're just joining us online, here's what, here's what we say is a definition of culture. It is the set of shared, shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterizes an institution or an organization or a family. Just like a business or a team has a culture, every single family also has a culture. It's another way of thinking about it is it's a way of thinking, behaving or working that exists in a place, an organization, or a family. Here is an immutable law. This is true all the time, every time. Every single home has created a culture. Every home has a culture, accidentally or intentionally, by default or by design. Your home right now has a culture. And the great news is, even if it's great, it can get better. The great news is that in the context of a relationship with Christ and under the power of the Holy Spirit, every single culture has room to improve and to get better. So right now, you may be just sitting there thinking, man, my home is great right now. And that's awesome. If you're there this morning, man, hats off to you and everybody else under your roof. It can still get better. It can still be strengthened, deepened, enriched, and improved. By the same token, if you're sitting there thinking, man, my cult, our home's culture is a train wreck. I, we're completely accidental and default culture builders. Listen, it is never too late to begin deliberately building the culture of your home and making it something that God wants it to be. It's amazing to me to, to think about who God is and how he operates, to understand that in our wildest dreams, the greatest dream that we could possibly dream or imagine, God wants more for us than we can even imagine. The Bible says that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So that means you, you just dream the biggest dream you could dream for your home's culture, let's say. God's going to look at that, and first of all, he's going to think, that is so cute. That is just a sweet little dream. Let me show you what I want to do. I want your culture, I want your home and everybody in it to flourish and to thrive. Culture, culture is a living organism. Trust is the air that it breathes. Trust is the air that your home's culture breathes. And it's either pure or polluted. And that's a continuum. And sometimes it can be a little bit dirty, but it can also be cleaned up. 
So your culture in your home is a living organism that you feed, that breathes the air of trust every single day. Every single conversation that you have with anybody in your home, that is an opportunity to breathe fresh air into that culture. Absolutely. And we talked about um, in session one um, with healthy home culture that what we're looking for in the home, when we talk about culture, it's really about how your home feels. That's the easiest way to say it because when you take a step back, which is what looking at your culture is doing, we take a step back and we look at the overall feeling of your home. And our goal is for our homes to feel safe, simple, and silly. Safe, simple, and silly. And that's what we talked about last week. And we talked about how that means feeling um, safe emotionally as well as physically. And simple, that means make time for downtime. You're not going to drift into downtime as a family. You're going to have to be intentional, be stubborn, and say we, this is important to us. So we will make time for downtime. And then silly, laughter is so important. Laughter communicates ease and it communicates joy to everyone involved and so that's what we're working toward so as we look at developing that culture let's look um, in the notes on session two it says the foundation of a healthy home the foundation of a healthy home is a healthy marriage the foundation of a healthy home is a healthy marriage now listen carefully this is important to understand if you're married or not because our responsibility is to say what is God's design God's desire and so whether you have a healthy marriage or not it is important that you understand and that you have a healthy concept of marriage because our responsibility is to communicate that to the next generation as well Matt grew up in um, you know the home with a single parent his mom was a single mom but she was very intentional about teaching the boys Matt has two brothers about teaching them about healthy marriage because she knew that was critical she knew that even though they didn't have that at home that that was important for them to understand so whether you were a single mom whether you were in a toxic marriage understanding what a healthy marriage is is very important as we teach our kids now his mom was very intentional about teaching them a healthy marriage she kept them um, plugged into the church so she exposed them to healthy teaching about marriage. She kept them connected and around families with healthy marriages. She was very intentional about the families that they spent time with so the guys saw what healthy marriage looked like in a home. And I think that she was very intentional. Actually, I know she was very intentional about never talking about your dad. Well, and it was really, I think it was a challenge for my mom too because I know it was a challenge my mom had plenty of ammunition that she could have said that was true about my dad and she never did it she never did it now in fairness my grandmother her mother she didn't feel the same way <laughs> she she had no problem sharing her opinion about my dad to the day that she died you know 24 years ago wow. you know which was years and years decades after the divorce my grandmother referred to my father lovingly as dummy among other things. But my mom, my mom, and my mom always responded. She was like, Mother, he is still their father. She goes, Well, that's not my fault. So that was my grandmother. But my mom, that I was around day in and day out, she went to extraordinary lengths to honor the role that my dad still played in my life, even though he wasn't always honorable. 
Does that make sense? And that was critical for me and my brothers for us to understand that he was still dad in our lives because then that creates a rub in the lives of the kids that is so unhealthy for them and erodes their concept of marriage. So even though my mom was divorced, she continued to lift up the potential of what marriage can be even though she wasn't experiencing it and we didn't have an example of it inside our home. And Lisa Harper is um, a friend of ours. She's a Christian author and speaker, and she has adopted a child from Haiti. And Lisa is not married, but she knows that it's important for her daughter to understand healthy marriage. So again, even though it's not in their home, she makes sure that she is around healthy marriages. And so an understanding of healthy marriage is important when we're talking about having the healthy home. And, and let me provide some context for I think this is helpful because I, I know some of you have great marriages right now. Some of you are not married. Some of you are, some, just honestly, right now, your marriage is lousy. It's not going to stay there, but right now it's lousy. Let's remember this. Marriage is always, say always. Always. Always about more than the husband and wife. Marriage is always about more than husband and wife. Now, they are obviously the primary human players in marriage. But in Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says this about marriage from God's perspective. This is how God looks at marriage. This is what he calls us to. This is what he desires for us. It says in Ephesians 5, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So, in God's economy, marriage, let's say Mac and Julie, this is, this is great as far as it goes, and it's important, and it's central, and it's critical in the development of Emily and Joseph, and in our home, and in our community, and church, etc. All of those things are hugely important but before you ever get there the first thing that this is doing is telling the story for the rest of the world of the unconditional perfect redeeming love of God for his people so the way that we treat each other is first of all not about us the stakes are so much higher than that so now all of a sudden I have a I'm playing at a higher plane because I'm called to a higher game. And that is an incredible reminder to remember, whoa, okay, Julie's binder may take up more of the podium than my little tiny iPad here. In the grand scheme of things, that's okay because we're trying to communicate a much bigger story. And so it's imperative that we understand that. So the foundation of a healthy marriage is healthy communication. The foundation of a healthy marriage is healthy communication. Now, some of you are thinking, I can't wait for my husband to hear this. <laughs> and if that's you right now, I get it. I would encourage you, as a guy, throttle back. <laughs> just, just throttle that back a little bit because healthy communication doesn't mean initially or always we need to talk. <laughs> if you want to shut your husband down, just, just lead with, we need to talk. Healthy communication 
starts at a surface level, okay? I'm going to talk about that in a second. But we cultivate a culture by how we communicate and what we tolerate. We cultivate a culture by how we communicate and by what we tolerate. I heard a football coach say this years ago, and it's true in marriage too, so bear, bear with this. But we encourage what we tolerate. We encourage what we tolerate. Think about your kids. If you allow your kids to sleep in the morning until you walk in the room and you have a tantrum, then you're encouraging that. They know the first time they hear your loving, lilting voice, honey, it's time to get up. They know it's not time to get up. It's not time to get up until mom has a tantrum. So you've encouraged that because you've tolerated that. If, on the other hand, you say, hey, it's time to get up. Let's go. Breakfast is ready. And they don't get up. Oh, I am so sorry. If they're old enough, of course, I'm going to need your phone back today because you didn't get up when I told you to. I promise you, tomorrow morning, they'll get it better than they did this morning. That's just one example. We encourage what we tolerate. Absolutely. And um, I, I definitely think that when it comes to marital communication, we can go back to that verse where it said, you know, the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. <laughs> you just put a period right there. Because um, we communicate completely differently. I mean, we come from two different homes, two different styles of communication, and then our personalities are also different. But God, in his sense of humor and divine wisdom, brought us into marriage. <laughs> and says now the foundation of a healthy home is healthy communication have at it and so we have had to learn and we have had to work at it and again it doesn't mean we've always been there but we always understood that was the goal and when you understand that that is the goal then you continue to work toward it because just like every home has a culture every marriage has a culture and so if you look at your marriage what is the culture of your marriage remember the goal for the home culture was to feel safe, simple, and silly. I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. The goal is the same with your marriage. I'm married, I'm safe, and I like it here. That's the goal. Doesn't mean you will always feel that way, right. but it means you will always do the work with the understanding that that is your end goal. So take an honest look at your marriage. Is my marriage safe, simple, and silly? And when I say, is my marriage safe, I mean physically and emotionally. And when I talk about a safe marriage and about communication, that means we have no secrets. There are no secrets in our marriage. We are completely open and honest with one another. No secrets. That is safety. And now simple. Just like your family. You've got to make time for downtime. Do we make time for date time? Do we create that? Here we are empty nesters. You would think, you know, we work together. We have all this time together. But we still have to work at it. We still have to choose to make time for date time. So safe, simple, and silly. When was the last time we laughed together? When was the last time we did something new together? We had a new adventure together. We both tried something that we had never done. When was the last time? Are we keeping fun in our marriage? So just as you want to examine and say, is your home safe, simple, and silly? You want to look at your marriage. Is my marriage safe, simple, and silly? And how you communicate will be an overflow of that. 
as well as feeding it, it will also be your overflow. But here is what we want to encourage you to do today. And if you're listening online or watching, same with you. Sometimes I will say, today we're going to talk about marriage. Now I need you to forget about your husband. That sounds strange, doesn't it? But what we, if we're not careful, what we do is we listen to all of these points about communication and about culture. And we go, oh, my husband needs to improve on this. Oh, I'm going to remind him about this point. Oh, our marriage would definitely be simpler if my husband did this. So I'm, we're going to talk about marriage and I want you to forget about your husband. My challenge to you is as you think through today, as you listen what can I do? One of our values in Fearless Mom is embracing the responsibility of motherhood. So today, I want you to embrace the responsibility of creating a healthy culture in your marriage. What you can do, what you can do instead of making a list for your husband, I know, make a list for you. What can I do? I'm going to embrace a responsibility. And there are some um, easy things that you can do, but I want you to look at Romans 12, 18. Do all, everybody say all. All. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to have a healthy culture in your marriage. Do all that you can to communicate better in your home. That's our focus today. And a couple of things you're thinking, what can I do? You know what? I'm going to give you a very practical one. If you're married, you're thinking, well, it's not very healthy. There are a couple of things you can do. One study that I read showed that just a gratitude session, literally husband and wife sitting together telling each other the things about each other for which they are grateful. They revisited those uh, marriages six months later. They were on an upward spiral simply by expressing gratitude. That's pretty simple. And you're thinking, my husband would never do that. I, I'm not quite to the point where I can approach my husband about um, having a gratitude session. Maybe you should call it something else, like dinner. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but then, okay, maybe that's not for you. Well, then here is something everyone can do. Um, the Gottman study says that what they studied, John Gottman and his wife, they evaluated many, many couples and they can predict success or failure in a marriage to 94% accuracy. And it's just a little thing. The good news is these are choices we can make and actions we can take to improve our marriage. So no matter where your marriage is today, this is a little thing that you can do to improve your marriage. All John Gottman did, they watched the study, they watched couples, and watched responses to what they call bids. If you've heard me talk about marriage, you've heard me talk about this because I'm such a believer in the difference this can make, being aware of the bid. And what they said was, when a husband, when a wife says something like this, I'm going to give you an example from our home. Our kids say most of our bids are about our dogs now. <laughs> That's so embarrassing, but it's true. Um, Mac will say, Julie, come look. Come look at the dogs. And that's a bid. So now I have a choice. I can either say, no, I don't feel like it, or I'm busy right now, or I can say, let me see. 
And then I go and I look at the dogs who are doing the exact same thing as they were yesterday at the same time. <laughs> but that's okay. We're amused by it every day. And so the dogs like it to really sit. It really doesn't take very it much. It doesn't take much. The dogs <laughs> like to sit and stare at squirrels and we think it's hilarious. Um, and so anyway, so I, res- I have a choice. I can respond to that bid or not. Most of our bids are about that or Mac will say, let me think of another one. Oh, he'll call me in from the other room. I will be, you know reading in bed, I'm in bed, I'm like, oh, I'm getting in bed, and he'll go, oh my gosh, he's watching a football game, come watch this play, I'm like, I don't even know who's playing, I don't care who's playing, it's a bid, and so I choose, I can ignore the bid, or I can get up and go be excited about the replay, and so guess what, what I found is, the more I respond to the bid, the more I actually enjoy it. <laughs> and so it has turned it around. Same with Mac. Mac has, but again, this is not about Mac right now. This is about what I can do. You can be aware of the bid. Everybody say, be aware. Be aware. Of the bid. Of the bid. Now, obviously, there is um, a very obvious bid in a lot of marriages, and we'll just go ahead and count that as a bid. Um, and... Uh, there's no need. We don't Amen. have time to go all into that, but that is also a bid. Be aware of the bid. Go it's ahead. a significant bid. It's a significant bid. <laughs> but, but really and truly, and, and usually you're the one who says this, and I think it's helpful, but apparently you forgot. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't overemphasize the importance. If, if you think, how, how could I help my husband be a better man and be happier? The first thing that you think of <laughs> is right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just helping you to understand that. Anyway, that, that's, a, that's a whole other sermon. But um, Be aware of the bid. Be aware of the Little bid. Bids, I was bids. laughing because we had, we had a bid moment last night. We were <laughs> sitting together and I was, on, I was texting somebody who, who was facing a significant crisis. So it was actually ministry going on at home. And, and Julie goes, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. Look over here. I said, and, and I was finishing a text. And she goes, we are now becoming marriage disasters. We were marriage <laughs> masters. Now we're disasters. Respond to the bid. The Gottman's, the Gottman's and I said, in I said, honey, I said, honey, I promise you, I'm right there. This, anyway, I, I won't go into the details of it, but it was a significant life crisis. I was in the middle of texting about, and Julie was worried that we were becoming marriage disasters. I as long didn't. as we stay in the 87%, that's the goal of it. It's 8 out of 10 is a marriage master. You know what a marriage disaster is? 3 out of 10. And so I'll <laughs> yell at him, we're moving toward 30%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 30% respond to the bid is a disaster. 87% the, don't respond to the bid is a disaster. You do 87%. Yeah, just thriving. keep 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Anyway. Now, when we talk about communication, I, we firmly or absolutely get this is a difficult subject to bring up. It, it is a tough conversation to initiate. And this goes back to something I alluded to earlier. Small talk is not small. Small talk is not small. Talking about what the dogs are doing in the backyard Talking about your day, listening to your husband talk about his day. I remember when I was a kid, my grandfather on my dad's side, before our parents, my parents split up, my grandfather had a heart condition, and he was a, he was a CEO of a company in Beaumont, Texas, and his doctor prescribed for him every afternoon when he got home from work to sit down and have a glass of sherry with my grandmother and talk about the day. 
That was a medical prescription for him. Now, I've never forgotten that, but just talking about what happened in the day at a surface level, you don't have to go down to how it rocked you to your core initially. You can just talk about the, the, the facts, the superficial facts. Small talk is not small. First thing I want to encourage you to do, study and learn how you and your husband communicate. Study and learn how you and your husband communicate. I think it's obvious and kind of a reflex action. We look at our kids and we go, they are so different. Emily and Joseph, I mean, they, I was in the room when both of them were born. I know their genetic makeup. They act like they came from two different planets. They're so different. And we see it in our kids, they're just so different. But then when it comes to our spouse, we're like, she just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. We got to be, no, no. Take a minute, study, and learn how you and your husband communicate. Julie has a PhD in Macology. She has taken the time and she has done the hard work to figure out how to communicate with me in a way that works for her, but also works for me. She knows when I walk in the door from work or we come in from, that's not the time to begin a laundry list of everything that's broken in the house or didn't work right in her day. She knows that for my personality is such, I don't know that it's just because I'm a guy, that's just mostly my personality. When I walk in the door, and I think most of us feel this way, but I promise you your husbands feel this way, Home should be a haven. You are a haven. That's part of why he married you. He wants you to be a safe place from a dangerous world that he's out in every single day. So just everybody take a deep breath real quick. Even online, do this. Just stop if you're at your laptop or whatever you're doing in the room. Just kind of go. Doesn't that feel good? Even if you caught a little, you know, coffee breath from the person behind you, there was something restorative in us. That's what it needs to feel like when we come home. So study and learn the way you and your husband communicate. And then next, communicate about communicating. And when I say this, I want you to enter this conversation with two things in mind. Understand first that a a posture of humility is going to be more productive. A posture of humility is going to set yourself up for a win. This is about, honey, what can I do to communicate with you better? And then next, communicating doesn't just mean talking. And it doesn't even just mean listening. It means you are working to understand. Mm. The goal is understanding. Not just saying words, not just hearing words, but understanding each other. I want to understand you better. How can I understand you better? Do you feel like I understand Mm. you? Do you understand what a posture of humility you must enter this conversation with? Because now I have to be willing to admit that perhaps the problem all along has been me. Perhaps the problem, it lies with me. How can I communicate better? Now, I'm not saying that is the same for every family. Maybe the posture from your husband has been, um, maybe he came from a a family where they don't communicate. I'm not talking about that. Remember, we're going to focus on what we can do to improve the communication. I'm going to be the best part of the communication as I can be in understanding that the goal is understanding, not just talking, not just listening, not just getting him to change his behavior, but understanding one another. That is the end goal. 
You know, I think if you go back, don't forget what the verse that we read just a second ago, Ephesians chapter 5. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That, that oneness, one flesh is not just about the flesh, okay? That's a part of it. But in, in a biblical mindset, in a God-honoring heart set, that oneness is the goal. And here's the great thing about it. This has such practical implications. I think a lot of times we read the Bible and go, God, it would be so great if we could be one, if we could be united. But think about the practical implications of that. What that means is there's no longer his side, my side. There's just our side. I'm on the side of this marriage being everything God wants it to be, of this woman, Julie, in my case, being everything God created her to be, which is a formidable package. Your goal as a wife is for your marriage, for your husband to be everything that God has called it and him to be. And so that changes the game. All of a sudden, that posture of humility that Julie just talked about, you go, okay, wait a minute. It's not about me getting my way or me being heard. A lot of times that's, that's really what's most important to us, I think, is to be heard and to be understood. But to understand, we're trying to become one. Focus on making it right rather than being right. Focus your energy, your heart, your mind, your words, your effort on making it right rather than being right. Another study that the Gottman Institute conducted, they said in a happy marriage, this is in a happy, thriving marriage, when discussing problems, couples make at least five times as many positive statements to and about each other and their relationship as negative ones. Five times more positive statements. Doesn't mean I feel five times happier about it. Means that I'm actually articulating. I'm saying these positive things. We talked about Sunday about being thankful, about expressing gratitude. You know, if you go to a restaurant and somebody brings you water or iced tea or chips and queso, you know, if they bring that to your table, you probably turn to them and say, thank you. If you just kind of continue the conversation, thank you. that's not real gratitude. We have to express it. You got to articulate it. And when it comes to saying things to our husbands, to your husbands, my wife, we have to articulate it, say it. I cannot describe to you the difference it makes when Julie says to me something so simple, out of the blue, hey, thank you for working hard for our family. I know that you do, and I really appreciate it. Our goal is just to be on the same page. If you think of tennis, you're not playing against each other. Mm. It's a team sport. Marriage is a team sport. You're doubles partners, okay? We're not hitting back and forth. We're on the same team. That is the goal, making it right, not just being right. I have a picture, I believe, they're going to show of our um, kitchen cabinet, like the one that is straight. But um, uh, is it showing up there? Yep, there we go. Mm -hmm. So if you'll see all the coffee cups up there in pairs, Mac and I have coffee together out of matching mugs every morning. It is a little Don't thing. Don't be jelly. I know. Getting crazy in the empty nest. But it is a little thing. But it is a reminder every morning that we start our day on the same page. 
and that is what you want to do. Just how can we get on the same page? Now, most mornings we don't say anything, <laughs> you know, except who's going to let the dogs out? <laughs> That's about it. But we are starting on the same page. That is the goal, and it's a reminder every day. Matching mugs. That's your goal. Matching mugs. Okay, so focus on making it right, not being right. Next, there's no such thing as something. There's no such thing as something that's not worth talking about. You'll think, ah, I'm upset about that, but is it worth it? That bothers me, but is it worth it? Or if you're like me, you just don't want conflict. This is the deal about talking about things that where you feel like you're on different pages. Timing and tone are more important than topic. Mm. Timing and tone are more important than topic. So pray about it. God, is there anything I did wrong here? Is there any offensive way in me? And then when is the right time to bring it up? Timing and tone are more important than topic. And then again, that posture of humility. That is so, so important. But I'm never going to be okay with just okay. If my marriage is just okay, I know that is not God's design and desire. His design and desire, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. A rich and abundant life, an overflowing life. Stick marriage in there. A rich and abundant marriage, an overflowing marriage. That is his design. That is his desire. And I will do what I need to do. I will stay in the game. I will have the difficult conversations. I will keep working because I know that. That is the goal. That is his design. And when you understand, again, again, you really, I have come and I have life and have it to the full, and you shout amen and yeah. Let me tell you the practical implication of that. Let me tell you how you live that out. Don't settle. Don't settle. Do not settle for average. Do not settle for better than your neighbor. Do not settle for better than the other couples in your kids' classrooms. Don't settle. Remember what we said at the very beginning? God is able to do, God is able to do in us immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That is so liberating. You ought to look at that and go, all right, well then, let's go. Turn to your neighbor right now, online, say to somebody, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Don't settle. Absolutely. These are just some practical things. If you check the Fearless Mom website, you'll find more resources for marriage. But what we want to encourage you to do is to be aware of the bid. Be aware. God, what can I do to improve our communication? Give me the courage. Give me the strength. Give me the insight. Give me the wisdom to bring up what is difficult to bring up. And God, show me what is really there. Show me the truth mm. so that I can do my part in making our marriage safe, simple, and silly. So that we can have a home that is safe, simple, and silly. I want to, our children to feel, I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. I want Mac to feel, I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. God, show me what I can do. Yeah. Embrace the responsibility and do the work. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the gift of marriage. I pray for every mom in this room, every mom listening, every mom watching. God, show her your design, your desire for her life, for her home. Empower her to do what she can do. Give her the courage. Give her the desire 
to be all that you've created her to be. Remind her that you are with her. And when you command us to do something, God, you always give us what we need to do it. We are so grateful that we depend on you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.